Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. All right, guys, welcome into a post-Super Bowl edition of Chargers Weekly. The 2019 season officially in the books. Kansas City Chiefs are the world champs. Uh, I'm joined by Eric Williams of ESPN. And, Eric, I know you were down in Miami, man. How was it? Vibe was awesome. Yeah. Uh, there are people all over the place. And it, it's cool kind of to be in a place like South Beach in the Super Bowl because you get that kind of the, the bigness of the game. Uh, I was walking with our boy Fernando, who, who covers the team as yeah. well. And we saw uh, Floyd Mayweather ride by us on a bike. And everybody's like, hey, that's Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, Super Bowl week. Yeah, you know, you just start seeing those people. And, and you know, we saw uh, Beckham. Um, so you just kind of see those those bigger than larger than life people and players, and it kind of lets you know the, the the bigness of the game. Yeah, in two years it's going to be here. So that that snapshot you saw in Miami is going to yep. be in Los Angeles. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an awesome event. Yeah, the game awesome too. Thirty one twenty Chiefs. I was just thinking watching that game. All right, this is the team. The Chargers, they're going to have to figure out. Yeah. You know, th- this team isn't going away. Nope. They're in the division. Everybody's looking at the Chiefs next year, but the Chargers even more so, being that you got to see them twice. No doubt. And I, th- the interesting thing was me to me was watching San Francisco's defense and their scheme because they run a similar scheme That's to the right. Chargers and how they defended Mahomes. They did a great job for Bottling them up. Yeah, 10 points with maybe seven minutes left. And they did a lot of the same things that the the Chargers have done in the past against the Chiefs, you know, make them throw uh, the ball short and then rally to the football and and really kind of eliminate those explosive plays and don't give them anything deep, you know, see if they could run the ball a little bit and and really try to force Mahomes to make plays from within the pocket. And for a majority of the game, they, they were very successful in doing that. The problem is Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And I kind of, he's, to Him me. Him unscripted is very difficult to defend. He's Russell Wilson on steroids. And I say that because he's a bigger, a more athletic version of Russell. So when he gets out in the pocket, he has such a big arm. The whole field is available to him. He's really strong as a runner. He's, he's really tough to, to bring down. And he's very accurate. So, yeah, those off-script plays, again, as a defense, you really can't prepare for those. And it just seems like more times than not, he was able to make a play when they needed him to make a play. And the Chiefs didn't lose. I think they started their win streak in Mexico City. Is that right? Against the Chargers. Wow. And I don't think they lost another game after that night on Monday Night Football. I just look at the personnel, and I really do. I think the Chargers have a lot of pieces mm-hmm. that match up nicely with the Chiefs. But you have to think about not only the Chiefs, but the Broncos, yeah. the Raiders. How do you further build your roster to win these division games because, surprisingly, the Chargers didn't win a game in the AFC West last yeah. year. Yeah. I think the first thing is speed. I think you have to get faster on offense and defense. Uh, obviously, on offense, you need to be able to stretch the field and create explosive plays so it's easier to score. And then you have to be able to, to have a diversity of plays you can run in the red zone because that's kind of where they really struggled is to get in, in the end zone on a regular basis. So that's that's – I'll say that's 1A. 1B is the quarterback situation. You have to figure that out yep. long-term, you know, whether it's through free agency uh, or the draft. And even if you do bring Phillip Rivers back, you're going to want to have a young person behind him that you know is going to be the future because that person is going to have to play against Patrick Mahomes 
twice a year and figure out how to beat that team because that's obviously the team to beat in the AFC for the next decade. Um, so you're going to have to have uh, a quarterback that has uh, the ability to, I don't want to say match play for play, but gives you an opportunity so that your your team can put points on the board because you're going to have to score. I mean, we've seen that, right? Yes. Um, they scored 31, but all, all those points came at the end of the game. So at some point you're gonna have to you're not the match. Mahomes struggled for a majority of the game too, but he had to go win it. Yeah. Right. And when you have those pieces, you mentioned the speed, the Tyreek Hills of the yep. world. I think the I don't want to say he's a Travis Kelsey stopper, but I think a Darwin James is a nice matchup yeah. for a guy like Kelsey. But um, it's about defending that Chiefs offense, and then also like you said, getting more speed on offense, kind mm-hmm. of matching them because uh, you're gonna have to go toe for toe with these guys. Not only you know head to head, but also maybe racing for that AFC West crown. And not only on offense and defense, but special teams. I, I thought the Chiefs special teams really played at a high level. They just you know and made, special teams coach too. Yeah, great Dave Tobe. Obviously, he's been in the running for head coaching jobs you know in the past. Um, but they, they made San Francisco march the length of the field. Really kind of bottled them up in the return game. And again, that that speed kind of comes into play. Uh, and special teams as well, both in the return game and then in coverage and getting guys down and and making tackles in space. February is a month of speculation. <laughs> you know, we're, we, haven't even, we haven't even hit the combine. <laughs> Free agencies upon us. We don't know what's going to happen, yeah. but we do know some things. And the coaching changes and, and yep. some of the the coaching staff has been solidified for the Chargers, starting with. Shane Steichen coming back as the OC. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what Shane does having a full offseason to prepare yeah. and actually be the guy as opposed to having to, to come in midseason where, uh, and not really having that, that quarterback coach and, and having the support that I think he's going to have this offseason. Yeah, I, I think we'll now get an opportunity because he has a full offseason to kind of see what the true identity of a Shane Steichen offense looks like because he's going to be able to kind of implement it from you know, the, the start of off-season work in April and, and what his vision is in terms of what he believes are the bread-and-butter plays of, of staples of his offense. So that's going to be interesting to see how that develops, and a lot of that's going to depend on personnel too because I have a feeling that Shane's going to tailor his offense based on what personnel is available. And, you know, obviously Keenan and Austin, I would assume, are going to be big parts of that. Hunter Henry, if he comes back in free agency, would obviously be another piece of that. Mike Williams is is, is going to be back. We'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon and at the quarterback position. Um, but I'm interested just to see kind of what his influences are. I mean, obviously he came up under Norv Turner initially when when Norv was with the Chargers. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt's probably going to have a little bit of influence. Mike McCoy. Um Philip Rivers, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, Coach Coach Lynn too. Coach Lynn, you know, West as Coast well. offense. Obviously, Coach Lynn is going to have a big big part of that as well. The West Coast offense and, and maybe some of the zone read stuff, and 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 maybe we'll see some influences there as well. All right, James Campen coming in as the offensive yeah. line coach. Um, that's a big move. Pat Meyer going to Carolina. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a huge move because you get a veteran guy that had a lot of success in Green Bay. Uh, our guy for the ESPN that covers the Packers, Rob Demosky, spoke very highly of him. Says he's a guy that uh, is a good guy. Uh, players are going to like him, but he's ov- obviously very skilled and respected in terms of what he knows in the O line. And so it'll be interesting to see how he influences young guys like Trey Pipkins, uh, Tevi, Trent Scott, uh, Feeney, you know, Forrest Lamp coming back from injury. 
and then how he kind of meshes those guys with older guys like Pouncey and and Okung. And I, you know, Scott Scott Quisenberry certainly played uh, solid when he was in there he replacing did. Pouncey as well. So he's another guy that's going to be in the mix. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the kind of style they implement. You know, are they going to be a, a zone team in terms of the run game? Are they going to be a gap team? Or are they going to be a mixture of both? Um, it'll be interesting to see what's his, his evaluation of the personnel and how that changes, how are those five, five guys going to look up front based on the guys coming back and then the guys available in the draft and free agency. Again, we don't have much for you, right? It's, it's, February, it's February, what, 5th? We don't yeah. know yet. We don't know what it's going to look like still, up front. So got months to go up front. And then also some changes same guys in the organization, but moving to different roles. Alfredo Roberts is going to be the tight yep. ends coach. He's coached that position played before, the position. played the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Ridgely uh, moving up, being the running backs coach. He's been in this building for a long time. Yeah. And then Rip Scherr goes to a senior assistant role. So some of the same pieces, just in different places. Yeah, and Mark's coached running backs before, uh, previously, uh, when, when Ollie was the, uh, Wilson was the running backs coach. So he has experience with that group and, and, and working with that group. Um, and, and so he should be fine kind of sliding in there. And then, you know, obviously Anthony spends a lot of time working with the running backs as well because he's a for, former running back, former running back coach. So he'll have some influence with that group. It'll be interesting to see how they use Rip, uh, you know, because he can move all over the place. He has experience on a, on a lot of different position groups. Perhaps he's a guy that, that helped works with the quarterbacks because he's done that in the past, uh, has that, um, that experience in his past. And if you're going to draft a young guy, it probably would be good to have somebody with a lot of experience like Rip working with that group on a, on a daily basis. So maybe that's something that we see, uh, you know, depending on whether they bring in a quarterback's coach or not. Yeah, then you see Addison Lynch going to assistant DB's coach. Chris mm-hmm. Harris goes to Washington to take the DB's coach role with the Redskins. Uh, yeah, and it's been interesting because that position has been kind of a springboard for, for guys to move on to other positions. Uh, I forget who the guy was here previously, but I, I think he went to the Colts in order to, to be the DB coach there. And then Addison, who a, a lot of people speak highly of. In terms very bright of, guy. And, and, and has a lot of energy too. Um, now he'll, he'll come in and, and take over as the assistant DB coach, working with Coach Miles. And then Miles' son, uh, Ryan Miles, who was here previously is now going to be a quality control uh, coach, I believe, for the defense. Yeah, so those are the announcements as of now. Obviously, still need to fill the quarterback's coach role, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that'll come sooner than later. Um, Let's move to something that you wrote about, the 2019 rookie draft class. Mm -hmm. Drew Tranquil, obviously, was the headliner, had a really good season. I could see him as a, a foundational piece as a linebacker for this team for the next few years. There's certain guys that we just didn't get to see a lot of. Azir Adderley, Jerry Tillery, you want to see his development. I think those guys, what they do this offseason, especially you consider the fact that Jerry didn't have an offseason in this program. I almost liken it to Mike Williams, his rookie year. That's that's a great comparison because it's it's very similar. Because of the injury issue, you didn't really get to see him um, at his best until the end of the year where he really started to look like he was comfortable uh, in the scheme and what he was being asked to do. And, and, and in terms of his strength, too, you had to think he's coming off of having shoulder surgery, and so he, he didn't have a chance to train like everybody else did during the offseason because he's basically trying to get healthy. So I think this offseason will be huge for Tillery because now he gets a full offseason to train for football and not have to worry about recovering from an injury. Um, he gets a chance to kind of learn the scheme intimately and, and what he's being asked to do. And and I think because of all that, he should be a better player in his second year. And then with Nas, it's just kind of the same thing. I mean, 
you know, he, he injured that hamstring in pro day and it just never got better. And it ended up being worse than maybe originally thought because it was a hamstring tear and he tried to play through it, tried to tough it out. Um, maybe got a bad rap a little bit as a guy that was, you know, injury prone. This is the first time I think he's been injured. I don't think he missed a game at Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a guy that, that's been pretty tough and has played through things. And, and the thing I like about Nas is we know he can make plays. I mean, we saw it in the short sample size. Against- I thought he was going to have like five picks. <laughs> <laughs> He's just all over the place. Was. It was it was amazing, his play speed. And again, I know it was against backups and guys that maybe didn't end up playing the league, but he certainly stood out in that short amount of time that we got to see. And so I'm interested, if he can get fully healthy and learn the, the scheme and, and kind of figure out a role in that defense. To me, he's a perfect example of the type of player that you need to beat a team like the Chiefs led by Mahomes because he has speed, he has closing speed, he can make tackles in space, he can make plays in space, and he's going to be the kind of guy that you need in the middle of the field to tackle a guy like Tyreek Hill or maybe go and and, and corral interception and take it the other uh, other way, make kind of an impact play against a team like that. I think he's built to play against a team like that. And all we talked about after he was drafted was Derwin James and Nazir Adderley. Yeah. They didn't get to share the field together no. at all. Not one play because Derwin was hurt and then Nas got put on IR later in the year. So I think one of the silver linings, though, is the fact that we got to see Rayshon Jenkins. He played some good football, and he, he played almost every snap this year. And you got to see him develop and him kind of come into his own as a guy that's a legitimate uh, person that can play free safety. So now you have a free safety and a strong safety. Where does Nas fit in with that group? You know, is he going to be a, a a nickel slot defender? Is he a third safety on the field? Can he play corner? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's played corner before. He certainly has a skill set to do it. Um, we'll see where he ends up. Now that the playoffs are over and, you know, you saw teams like the Packers go to the NFC Championship game, the Titans go to the AFC Championship game, mm-hmm. knowing what you know about those teams and just having some time to let the 2019 – season settle in in terms of what the Chargers did. What do you think they can improve improve upon to get back to that team that was winning double digit games? Well I think the number one thing is is obvious is is taking care of the football and taking the football away. Yeah. I mean it was such a, a big disparity in terms of the turnovers and, and had such an effect on on games week in and week out. Um I think that has to be a, a a point of emphasis for Anthony Lynn going into the offseason. How do you rectify that? So that's, turnover differential. Turnover differential was huge. It was it was tied for the worst in the league. I think they had the lowest turnovers forced in the league. So they didn't take the ball away, and then they they didn't take care of the football. And and when you end up, I think it was two and nine in in, in one score games. Uh, obviously, turnovers are going to factor uh, largely in that. So um, taking care of the football, forcing turnovers is, is, is going to be a, a big point of emphasis uh, going into the next year. Um, I think along with that, um, you know, just kind of solidifying the offensive line um, is going to be important for, to have an offense that can be consistent. And, you know, I, I don't know how they go about that. I don't know if it's veteran guys like Pouncey and Okun coming back healthy and, and kind of being the guys they were two years ago or if it's going out and drafting younger guys, or if it's, it's you know, he has some money in free agency. Maybe it's going out and spending some money on on, on proven, experienced uh, offensive linemen that could come in and help solidify that group. But, um, you know, a guy that I, I covered a lot in, in this league, Brandon Meebane, always told me 
O-line, D-line quarterback. That's where the game is won and lost in this league. You have to have the, the guys up front to kind of control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, and then you have to have the quarterback that can that can make the plays. Um, so we'll see if they can kind of, you know, rectify things on the offensive line and improve things on the defensive line so they can be stronger on both sides of the football up front. And it goes with the article that you wrote about the draft class. Trey Pipkins was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. He was a third-round pick for a reason. Yeah. He knew it was going to take some time, but you want to see that progression from year one to year two, and at least he got some valuable snaps this past season. He did, which was huge. You know, he got to get out in the field. He's kind of thrown in the fire. You know, sometimes you, you – Maybe that's the best way to do it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you learn, yeah. right, in one way or the other. Uh, and sometimes you look fine. Other times you look like, whoa, you know, he, he needs work. Um, so we'll see how he can improve. One guy I liked, I wish I would have got to see more of, was Cortez uh, Broughton. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he caught mono and they ended up putting on the, the non-football injury list. But the small amount of time he was in there, he looked like he could be an effective interior pass rusher. So I'm interested to see how he improves from from year one to year two. Um, so those are kind of two guys, I think, that flashed a little bit of potential and now you want to see how they continue to grow in their, their year two. You know, keeping with the theme of those undrafted free agents too, Roderick Teamer, mm-hmm. another guy who yeah. was a de facto part of that rookie class, yeah. albeit he wasn't drafted, but he got some valuable reps as well, and it just goes to having as many guys in that secondary as possible that you can mix in and rotate that can help slow teams like the Chiefs down. Yeah, you're going to need numbers. It's, it's You're going to need more than the four guys back there. And, and I think Teamer is a good example of that. Jalen Watkins was another guy that, that came in and, and, and filled in nicely uh, when Adrian Phillips was hurt. So, yeah, you need more than four, obviously. You want to have good depth, and you want to con- continue to kind of build that depth because you know that the injuries are coming. The draft, what are you looking at in terms of position groups that, that you're going to have your eye on when you go to the combine in a few weeks? There are certain positions that are absolutely loaded. I know wide receiver, just going to the senior bowl, wide receiver is, you could get a, a first round wide yeah. receiver in the third round, I think this year. Offensive line is, is a group you hear about and obviously the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with the quarterbacks first and, and, and you saw the guy up close, the guy I, I'm interested to see throw the football at the combine is Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Uh, obviously did well at the senior bowl, has a unique skill set, you know, at his size 6'6". Six, six. 230. The ball seems to jump out of his hand. You probably could speak to that more than I could because he had a good you saw week. him up close. He had a good week. Uh, really smart guy, uh, but but can move. I mean, he looks like he runs four, five, four, six. I'm interested to see what he runs. Yeah, I too. think he's pretty fast. Me too. Um, he, I, I just think he's a guy that's going to continue to move up. Um, you know, from talking to people, um, you know that that do this for a living, um, he wasn't really allowed to to show his full arsenal of what he could do in Oregon's offense because I think they kind of played it a little bit close to the vest in terms of, you know, not letting him open it up. So I think there's more there than maybe people realize because you weren't really allowed to see everything that he didn't run a whole lot until at the end, you know, you you watched him in the, in the Rose bowl and he he broke off those runs. You're like, I didn't know he could do that. Um, So I just think that he has a unique skill set. Obviously, you know, he's not the perfect um, player. But I think he would be a, a good fit for what the Chargers are looking for in a in a, a first round quarterback that could come in and, and and be a leader of this franchise for the next decade. That's when good scouting comes into play too, sure. because I was just reading about Patrick Mahomes. He didn't come from a, a winning program, no. and you had to really scout and do your work 
to realize that this guy was going to be very special. And obviously the Chiefs saw something in Patrick Mahomes that made them move up to get a guy that they thought was going to be a franchise guy, which he has become. It was a pretty good decision. Huh? <laughs> it's a pretty good decision. It's a pretty good decision. When I was at the Senior Bowl, Eric, I saw you at SoFi Stadium. Huh? What's the update? What'd you see? What'd you gather? Yeah. Give fans a little bit of insight. Yeah, about 80% complete. Uh, we were able to walk around the facility, uh, both in the lower levels and, and, and the top levels, see the Oculus, which is still on the ground. They're going to raise that up in the spring. It is supposed to be ready July 25th for the first event, which is a Taylor Swift concert. Are you going to be there? You going to be there for that? You can see Taylor? Backstage, man. I already got my passes, bro. <laughs> I, I, I think the one thing, just being there, I'm struck by um, obviously the largeness of it. Um, but still, because even though it's it's going to be huge, I, it, it, there's almost a little bit of intimacy if you can have that on a, on a, a stadium that big because of the ways that the seating is. You know, It's kind of like how they built the stadiums. It goes out on the lower half, but then it goes up. So if you're up, higher you're still you're still kind of closer to the action than maybe you would normally be in a you know traditional stadium that was built in the 50s or 60s i'm excited to explore it yeah there's going to be so many bells and whistles you're going to have to go a handful of times to see everything it's kind of like when i go back to, to cowboy stadium at&t stadium um i always see something new that i didn't notice you know previously and i've been there a handful of times i think it's going to be a similar kind of experience so far i'm looking forward to to see in it once it's completed. This will be the official welcoming of football in Los Angeles. Yep. You know, we've we've been at the Coliseum and Dignity Health Sports Park where you talk about the Rams and Chargers. This is going to be it now. And this is going to be a place where uh, I think a lot of folks in L.A. are going to be excited to come check out. Oh, no doubt. I, I think it's going to be, you know, if not the best facility in the league, certainly one of the best. And, and it's going to be a great place to watch football. A rare in-studio appearance in the offseason from Eric Williams. And we see it at the Combine, right? Yep. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you joining us, and I appreciate you guys listening. Remember, you can find the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, the Chargers Podcast Network is there. We're going to keep Chargers Weekly going all throughout the offseason, so we will be back next Thursday. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harry.